Welcome to Wingtorn. This is a story of a young man with an oath to avenge his parents, a young woman who hides the secret of her blood, and an emerging force threatening a tentative peace between humans and the Fae. This is a fantasy serial podcast, written and performed by Claire C. Marshall. Book Two, Allegiance. Chapter 14, Connor. Riona steered Connor and Olivan away from the river, deeper into the forest, to an intimidatingly cramped clearing. There, the trees were thinner and more tightly packed, but at least the ground was level. Tall grass reached Connor's midriff, and under Riona's quiet instruction, they scythed it from the ground. Difficult, dangerous task in the dark, necessary to create a small fire. Olivan made a feeble attempt to find kindling. With every footfall, every time, Olivan swore at nothing, or rustled the surrounding greenery, or picked up a twig, Connor became more tense. More bandits, or anyone else, could be hiding, waiting for them to let down their guard. He swung his knife cautiously, deliberately. Riona bumped into him constantly as she misjudged her movements in the darkness. He found and took her arm to steady her. She stiffened. Sorry, he said, and released her. No, she replied. It's just... Yeah, you sit and I'll finish. He cleared as much as he could and piled it by Riona until Olivan returned with a handful of loose branches and twigs. Olivan nearly poked out Connor's eye as he plopped them down in the middle of their grass pile. Perhaps more annoyingly, after Olivan had bragged for an hour about being able to start a fire, he gave up when he realized he didn't have the correct tools. As Olivan went to sulk in another part of the clearing, Riona quietly pulled Flint from a hidden pocket in her cloak and within moments had remedied their problem. His lackluster attempt to find suitable kindling had worked in their favor. None of them wanted a roaring fire. No one wanted to repeat of this evening's events, or even that day's. It would take hours to make it suitable for cooking or real warmth. Not worth it for their short respite. The air nipped around the dim embers of the fire, but it held for now. Without exchanging words, Riona and Connor huddled before their small effort, resigned to pull whatever warmth and rest they could from it before daybreak, when they'd finished their journey to Drohoven. Olivan's snores soon punctuated the clearing. Riona flitted her gaze to the young, would-be Imperial, frustrated. When we reach Drohoven, we make sure he finds a horse and gets back to his father. We stay away from Imperials and whatever allies he may have there. We can't drag him to the capital. Connor nodded in agreement, even though his heart was not set. Olivan just wanted to stir up trouble. And yet, despite that, 
He wanted his lifelong friend by his side. Olivin was the only part of his childhood that remained intact. His parents were gone. His community thought he was a hostage or a traitor. At least Olivin seemed amenable to the truth, even if he couldn't accept Riona wasn't a danger. You should sleep, she said, poking the glimmering coals with a short stick. I'll keep watch. Connor attempted to lay down on the uneven grass and moss. Several jagged rocks dug into his side and arms. He was almost too tired to care. Almost. Sighing, he blindly dug them out of the ground and rolled them carefully close to the fire. He wasn't sleeping anytime soon. I can help. You need your rest. I'm fine, he said emphatically. You said we should both watch Olivin. I agreed. I won't leave you alone with him. I can handle him. You nearly killed him. But I didn't. No, I intervened. I wasn't going to kill him then, and I wasn't going to kill him after the bandits either. Don't assume you know my intentions. Connor thought back to earlier in the day, on the incline. The sting of her indifference returned. Oh, I see. I'll add it to the list of things I'm not supposed to do while you're around. She blinked, stone-faced. You know, how you said I shouldn't let my feelings get in the way? That I should grieve for my parents later? Uncomfortable at the resurrection of her insult, she reached for the fire, her long fingers playing with the outer glow. I'm sorry for that. It was cold of you. I'm aware. It was terrible. She let out a slow breath and leveled him with her sympathy. Your parents never should have been targets. Twinkle and I, we... That was why we stayed away. Being with you, your family, put you in danger. And I was harsh with you because that's how we survived. This is just the first day you've been on the run. I should have been more sensitive. Because these days ahead, weeks, they're going to be hard. You lost control of your emotions today, and it worked out fine. Your magic did help you in the fight, but that may not always be the case. Even though it was an unusual strategy, your flair was a creative distraction, so you did well. Don't lie, he said, throwing her a glare. I cowered, unlike you. She bristled at that. I thought you would run off, but you didn't. So it's true. You think I'm a coward. I didn't say that. I said I thought you'd run. You didn't. It means you're committed to this. Don't have much of a choice, do I? He muttered. Now he was just digging at the dirt toiling his forefinger into the cool, gritty soil beneath the spindly grass. I have to keep going. You do, but you don't have to keep going alone. You can talk to me, with me. That's something Brendan was good at with us. Uncle Brendan, 
His whole family was dead. Talk to her? He desperately wanted to. There was something about her. And yet, if she hadn't shown up, his parents would still be alive. You're listening to Wingtorn. Today's episode is brought to you by The Violet Fox, a young adult fantasy novel by Claire C. Marshall. If you enjoy Cinderella stories with castle intrigue, magic, and a little bit of romance, visit thevioletfoxseries.com to read the first three chapters now. That's thevioletfoxseries.com. And now, Wingtorn continues. How well did you know, Brendan, anyway? Connor asked, trying hard to keep his curiosity contained. He traveled with us for time. She said slowly, smiling a little. You never told me how he died. Why my mother thought you killed him. She turned her head away. He stared at the fire. We were living on the draw-titched aisle for a time, she said, finally. It was the longest we settled, because we thought it was safe. Brendan had secured work there, and as said Fingal, sort of. They were building our house. I loved it there. Connor's face flushed. I've been, but I was too young to remember. We didn't visit much, too expensive to make the journey, and the library and the printing house needed tending. She nodded. The Dunma had many businesses back then. They offered Brennan work. That's why we went there, eventually. Then you knew Da's parents, too. His grandparents had died many years ago, and he vaguely remembered attending some kind of memorial. He saw a sea of faces that looked like his in a cramped room, speaking a tongue he didn't understand. The thought of going to the draw-titched aisle to find his distant relatives hadn't occurred to him until then. But his parents' insistence on staying in Ashdown, on managing the printing house, had severed him from his islander roots. If he had other uncles, aunts, or cousins, that knowledge had died with Nora and Dunnock. I met them, got to know them a little, Riona said hesitantly. You seem to know my family better than I do. She tapped the side of her temple with a snide smile. Meeting them and interacting with them as a child doesn't mean I knew them deeply. I just remember it well. He narrowed his gaze at her. You still haven't answered my question. No, I haven't, and I want to tell you. It's just... She parted her lips, and only breathy words escaped. She pulled at her cloak urgently, trying to form the right words. There was an unsavory man that Brendan had dealings with. He showed up at the house, pounded on the door, demanded to see Brendan, demanded Erjid. 
had and refused. It all happened so fast. I couldn't save him. She inhaled sharply and pursed her lips, her eyes suddenly wide as she stared right at him. I tried, and I wasn't fast enough. You were just a child, Connor said. His mother hadn't mentioned his uncle being involved with unsavory people. That wasn't congruent with Connor's sketchy memories of his uncle either, if those were real. Perhaps they were just stories his parents had told him. He tried to reach for her, to comfort her, to verify her story, but she pulled away. Yes, she said, scooting away from him now, repositioning herself and busying her hands, arranging her hair over her chest. Even though I had some control over my magic, I froze. I froze. I allowed my fear to overwhelm me. And because of that, your uncle is dead. Right before my eyes. Then, more quietly, that was why I told you to tie up your feelings in that moment, as wrong as it is because they will eventually inhibit or amplify your magic in unexpected, strange ways. At least until you're trained or have some kind of outlet for your grief and your anger. Connor drew his knees closer to his chin. Sorry. She pursed her lips. Me too. He grabbed one of Olivan's forage sticks and a handful of grass and slowly fed the fire. It cracked and smoked under the new weight and burned hungrily as it fed. The Fey militia would have found me by now if they were nearby, Riona said after a while, surveying the dark tree line uselessly. I'm worried about Fingal. They may have gone after him. Connor's eyes widened. From the size of him, he'd put up a good fight, right? Riona smirked. Yes, he's a survivor. I can usually sense him. We have a particular bond. We've had it for a long time. All I feel in it is a, a deep emptiness. Does that mean he's dead? Connor asked. She shook her head. I don't know. So he may not meet us or your contact. Then what will you do? I thought you didn't want to have anything to do with me after we reached the capital. She said, not unkindly. Connor shrugged. He didn't know what to feel now. Just asking. You don't need me slowing you down. I can only go as fast as my own two feet anyway. She replied dryly. You and I are bound by sacred oaths of the Order of the Sire Crescent, remember? I can't abandon you, and you can't abandon me. I didn't take any oaths, Connor said, raising his eyebrows. No, I, I guess there wasn't time, Riona said distantly. Aren't those oaths sealed with blood? he asked. Usually. Connor clenched his hands and fists. That sounds unsafe, given the darkness. Agreed. 
She pulled her long hair back as she leaned forward closer to the fire. He saw the outline of her lavender face, the gleam in her violet eyes, her hunched form trapped within the cloak. I just wanted you to know, I'm not going to abandon you out here. If you don't want me around, when we reach the capital, I'll understand. But I won't let the Fey Militia hurt you again. On the other side of the clearing, Connor heard Oliver stir. Although he had already begun to descend into sleep, he felt his best friend's attention through the ground. He waited for a loud interjection, the inevitable questions, the execution of some grand plan that terrified Connor. Oliver had seen the two of them using magic to stop the fire. Oliver alone had found them. There is no other Imperial force coming. Oliver might be acting with under a higher authority, but he was here, now. Connor wanted to help him understand. He wanted to be understood. Connor slowly lay down on his side, the jagged rocks now safely in a pile by the fire. The flames seemed to envelop and embrace the young fey woman, and he closed his eyes against them, and he saw her there still, a flaming shadow in the darkness. Neither of them had been fast enough on their own, but Connor was determined to improve, as she obviously had, and maybe together that will be enough. This episode was written, performed, and produced by the author, Claire C. Marshall. The Wingtorn theme music was composed by Cloud Road Music, and additional music is by Irene Chan. If you want to learn more about my books, please visit wingtorn.com.